be in Luke chapter 11 this morning if you have your Bibles. Luke chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, let me encourage you to grab one in the pew in front of you there. We are beginning a new series this morning called Summer Stories. Over the next six or so weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, various parables of Jesus. Now, we can't uh, cover all of those, of course, in six weeks. There are may- way more than six. But in those six weeks, we're going to be looking at some that may be unfamiliar to you, some that may be uh, old favorites to you. But one of the things about the parables, and if you're unfamiliar with that term, by the way, let me uh, tell you what a parable is. A parable was a story that Jesus told and he used for illustration to teach a principle about the kingdom of God. As many of us know, uh, there are many things that are difficult to understand about the kingdom. And so Jesus oftentimes used stories that were easily understood uh, for us to be able to connect and understand these things a little bit better. And so this morning as we look, look at Luke chapter 11, uh, we're going to be looking at a parable uh, that has several different names, but one of the names is the parable of the friend at midnight. Now, I've entitled the message this morning, Asking in Faith. Asking in faith. And that really is what the heart of this story is about. I want to begin by reading the story, and then we're going to go back and dissect it together and uh, see what Jesus was trying to teach us here. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5 is where we'll be. Again, Jesus is teaching. It says, He also said to them, talking about the group of his disciples that were there, He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight. And says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, He will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father, as we look to your word this morning, I pray that uh, as we look to this parable that is helping us understand something important about the kingdom, something important about you, I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would consider uh, what this is teaching And Lord, that we would learn that we can come to you and ask in faith. Lord, I pray today that maybe if there be somebody here today who hasn't um, come to you in faith, maybe they don't have a relationship with you, that today they would begin that faith journey. Lord, I pray for that person here today who has been reluctant to come to you and ask. I pray that today they would see that they can do just that. Lord, we thank you. For your word, we thank you for your spirit. Move in our hearts now, in Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, when I was a child, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Uh, Particularly, I remember there were many times that I went out with my granny. Uh, We would go shopping, or a lot of times we would stop by uh, various restaurants, uh, particularly after church. We liked to uh, go to church together on Sunday nights sometimes, and then we would uh, swing by oftentimes a fast food restaurant on the way home. And it never failed that whether we were shopping or going by a fast food restaurant, particularly the restaurants though, it never failed that somehow my granny would have a coupon for wherever we were going. Now she spent time, lots of time I'm sure, uh, every time she got the paper delivered, spent time cutting out these coupons and she had a box that she filed them all in that she kept in her car. And when it came time to stop by one of these places, she would ask me to pull out that filing system, look up that restaurant, and see what coupons she had for that restaurant. Now, I remember, you know, as a kid, thinking that was kind of silly, and my granddad gave her a hard time. But now, as a father of five, coupons are as good as money at my house. You know, if there is a coupon, I'm like, I'm all about it. Listen, I'll even go sometimes to places like stores that I know have coupons that I don't have a coupon for, And I'll ask the employee if they can give me a coupon that I can give to them. Uh, And, you know, I kind of look at that situation a lot like my dad used to always say, you have not because you ask not. And so if you go to a place and you ask for a discount, hey, you have not because you ask not, you know. And a lot of times they'll give you that discount. And I was thinking about that principle. And, you know, this story is where we get that saying, that principle, you have not because you ask not. And really what Jesus was teaching here is that we can go to God And ask him something, uh, ask him persistently in faith for our requests, whatever that may be. And if you look at the context of this passage, if you have your Bible, I want you to notice there at the beginning of chapter 11 what Jesus is teaching on. Here in Luke, at the beginning of chapter 11, is where we find Jesus teaching uh, what we would call the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching the disciples how to pray. And they wanted to know how they can pray. And oftentimes, if you remember, um, I've discussed this before when we went through Mark, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, oftentimes they will order um, their gospels around with the stories and certain themes, or they'll tell them with certain details that they wanted to make sure to include or exclude just to get uh, a main point across. And so here, in the first four verses of chapter 11, we have kind of a condensed version of Jesus' teaching on what we would call the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. And then he goes right into this parable teaching even more about prayer and what prayer in our lives can and should look like. You know, when it comes to prayer, I think there are often times that we are, as Christians, reluctant maybe to ask God for big things. And, you know, that's for various reasons. Maybe for you, you feel like, you know, you ask God for stuff for, uh, you know, for different things all the time, and you feel like, well, if I ask God for that, or if I ask him more than once, I'm just asking too much. You know, if I pray one time, you know, God knows everything, so he should remember my prayer, and if I repeat that, then I'm just being, you know, a nuisance. Maybe you feel that way. Or perhaps you feel reluctant to ask God for big things because, uh, again, you feel like maybe you're bothering him, that there are way bigger things out there in the world for God to be worried about, 
you know, all the, the poverty and hunger and all of those things around the world and other huge problems, why should you bother him with something in your life? Just because you think it's big, in the grand scheme of things, maybe you feel like, ah, it's kind of a, a bother to God. Maybe for you, you've been reluctant to pray because you feel like, you know, if I ask God for something, maybe he won't do something. Maybe he won't do what I ask him to do. Or maybe he, he kind of, and maybe you wouldn't say this out loud, but in your heart you think, oh, he just can't do that. Nothing will happen if I pray. You know, a lot of people uh, in Jesus' day kind of wondered, how can we pray? And, and I, when we went through the Lord's Prayer a while back, you may remember that I mentioned that the fact that they could call him Father was like a huge new thing for them, to know God in this way. And so trying to figure out how can we or how should we go to God in prayer. Well, I want you to know today, just as Jesus teaches right here in this passage, that you can and you should go to God persistently in faith, asking him for those things that are on your heart. Now, how do we know that we can and should do this? Well, some of those things are revealed here uh, in this story, and that's what Jesus is using this story to teach us about. And I want to show you some of these things. Look at verse 5. He begins this story by, by saying, he also said to them, uh, he says, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Now, again, he sets up this story by a guy who has a friend, goes and knocks on his friend ha friend's house and asks him for three loaves of bread. Now, Again, we kind of have a similar saying or analogy of like going to your neighbor's house and asking for a cup of sugar. We talk about that a lot. I don't know really anybody who does that today. Some of you all may do that. Uh, I don't know. But if we think about knocking on somebody's house asking to borrow something, you know, that's one thing and it takes a lot of, I, I guess, a lot of need to really go to somebody's house and ask to borrow something. But let me say it is next level to go at midnight and knock on the door and ask for three loaves of bread, right? Now, why in the world were they asking for three loaves of bread? Well, in this day and time, and it gives us this detail, uh, this person had had some guests come over. In this day and time, it was part of the culture that you had to be prepared uh, for your guests. And part of the hospitality in that culture was having bread ready to serve them. And if you didn't, in that culture, it was often seen as shameful. And this person... This friend in this story apparently couldn't bear the thought of being, you know, ashamed. And so Jesus tells the story that he goes next door and knocks on the friend's door at midnight. Now, at this point, knocking on the door at midnight, asking for three loaves of bread. Now, this is already kind of out there. But then you add in, into this the fact of that you see in verse 7... The friend inside says, don't bother me, the door's already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I know, as a father of five, how intense it is, uh, the idea of waking the kids up after they've gone to sleep, right? Like, you know, I mean, some of you all have had kids know what I'm talking about. Man, if the kids are in sleep, you better be, if they're asleep, especially across the house, you better be tiptoeing across the house to get that cup of water at midnight or whatever, especially if there's a little baby, right? Now, at this day and time, the houses were not like they are today. 
Everybody didn't have their own bedrooms. The sleeping quarters were that everybody was in the same room. So if you're waking the parents up, a lot of times you're waking the kids up too. And so this was a, a really kind of could have been a bother in this situation. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus uses the relationship of these men in this parable to teach us something very important. And I don't want you to miss this. You see, if we go and knock on the door of an acquaintance's house at midnight, somebody that we don't know or barely know, they're going to think we're crazy, right? They might even call the cops on us. Got somebody knocking on my door asking for bread, you know, come help me. That would be what would happen with an acquaintance. Now, a friend, as we see in this situation, might help you, but maybe reluctantly. Oh, man, I can't believe they're bothering me and the kids. I'll help them out. They're my friend. But now, as we see these relationships, since he was a friend, he helped them. But for those of us who are children of God, I want you to know this, that God is more than an acquaintance. God is more than just a friend. Jesus makes it clear in this passage that God is our heavenly Father. And we know that we can ask of God in faith because of our relationship. Because of our relationship. Now, I can think of no relationship, no earthly relationship that is much stronger when it comes to love than that of a parent for a child. I mean, you all may remember uh, when you moved out of the house, whether it was when you uh, went to college, started your career, or when you got married and you moved out of the house, chances are your parents probably gave you some, some last words before you left. Uh, maybe those last words were something like uh, financial advice. Maybe some sort of life advice, something dumb that they had done that they're hoping you don't go out and do, right? But probably for a lot of us, one of the things that our parents may have said to us is, I want you to know if you ever need anything, day or night, I'm just a phone call away. Why? Because they are our parents, and they love us, and they care for us. I want you to know that God would say to us, if you ever need anything, day or night, I'm just a prayer away. If you ever need anything, day or night, I'm just a prayer away because God is your heavenly Father and there is nothing that you could ask for or a time that you could ask for it that would inconvenience him because he loves you so much and he wants you to go to him. You will not inconvenience him because he is your heavenly Father. Because of that relationship, you know that you can go to him and ask in faith. But we know that we can ask of God in faith as well because of his ability. And I want to show you this. Look at verse 5. Again, it says, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Now, pause there and think about what is happening in this interaction. The reason, as part of this story that Jesus would share for a friend going to another friend's house and asking for bread is because that person genuinely thinks that that friend could help them, that they have the ability to help them, that they probably have some bread that they could give me. And if they didn't have the ability or they thought that they didn't, they wouldn't have gone. 
right? And when you go ask a friend for something, you just hope they're able to help. And let me just say, it's one thing to be willing to help. It's another thing to be able to help. Now, there are plenty of us who maybe are willing to help with things, but we're just not able. I think about times as a pastor that, man, if I, like, I would be so willing to help someone through situations, but I'm just not able. Like, for instance, uh, when you see someone walking through a difficult time in their family, maybe a um, relationship issue or a marital issue, and while you can offer some counsel, there are some situations that you just feel like, man, I, I just am unable to help with this. This is so big. This is beyond me. There are certain situations that, you know, that you walk through, like, for instance, a medical issue. You're just like, man, I just wish that I could do something to help. But there, there's, it's all out of my hands. I just can't do anything. Maybe someone who lost a loved one. I can't tell you how many times that I've been sitting with someone who's lost a loved one and said something like, I wish there was something I could say or do that could just fix it all. You know, it's one thing to be willing. It's another thing to be able. I want you to know this morning that God is both willing and able. Through anything you're going through, God is willing and able to help you through. I want to remind you what uh, God's word says in Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God, this is uh, Paul writing, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He is able. Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2 says this, I lift my eyes toward the mountains or toward the hills. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Why? Because God is able. As we think about who he is and what he's able to do, this should encourage us to go to him and ask him. Listen, so many times we are so quick maybe to ask someone next to us, hey, can you help me out or whatever, but we fail to ask God, who is so much greater, so much more able to help us through anything that we're going through, and not only that, he wants us to come to him. And we know we can ask of God in faith because of our relationship, because of his ability, but also I want to show you at the end of this passage, we can ask in faith because of his generosity. We have a generous heavenly father. Now how do you know someone's generous? It's one thing for me to say he's generous. How do you know somebody's generous? In your life, people you know, how do you know that they're generous? Well, they do things to prove it, right? They, they show you their generosity. I'll never forget, uh, there was a, a man uh, at the church I served at in Somerset who was known to be a very generous guy. Now, this man uh, was very wealthy, but again, he, he was known to be very generous. And that was just kind of what I had heard. I was my first year in college. I didn't really know him or anything about him. But uh, I remember I came in on a Sunday night for church, and I got there a little bit early, so I sat down, and just so happened, I sat in his pew. Now, if you didn't know in the Baptist church, everybody has a pew, right? And in kind Baptist churches, it doesn't matter too much, right? Uh, but we do have a pew. We have a favorite spot that we like to sit, and if you come more than three or four times, you'll have your favorite spot that you like to sit. But here's the thing. I was in his spot, so he just came in and sat next to me, and the service started, and I remember uh, we were singing, and at some point while we were singing, he looked over at me and said, son, I like how you sing. 
Come down to my office tomorrow. And I thought, that's one of the strangest things I've ever heard. Uh, and I didn't really know what that meant. And so after church, I went and told a couple of people like what he said, and they were like, just go to his office. Like they knew what it meant. And so I went to his office when he told me, and I remember he gave me a generous gift at that office. Now let me tell you, he didn't pay me for my singing. I can tell you that, <laughs> right? He didn't give me that gift. In fact, I should have paid him for having to listen to me sing. But he gave me that gift just because he wanted to be generous. And he knew I was in college. He knew I was going in ministry. He just wanted to be generous and came up with a kind thing to say to me. Listen, word gets around when people are generous, right? And that's what happens. In Jesus' day, word got around about Jesus when he was healing people and, and doing these amazing miracles. Listen, I want you to know when it comes to what God does, if you don't know it before today, I want you to know that God is a generous God. Now, how do we know God is generous? Again, how do you know people are generous? They prove it. And how did God prove his generosity to us? Well, when you think about God's generosity, you have to look no farther than the cross. That is the place that God's generosity was on display the greatest. Yes, we can look at all the blessings we have uh, in life. We can look at all and sing about all the blessings we have in this country and all this but to see his true generosity, you have to look no further than the cross. Because the Bible says that while we were enemies of God, that Christ died for us. In fact, the most, probably the most famous verse in the whole Bible is John 3.16. And it reminds us that God loved the world in this way. That he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You see, the reason God gave his son to us, and the reason why Jesus was here teaching this, the reason he had come is because he came to do something that none of us could do on our own. The Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and what we've earned because of our sin is death. But the Bible also tells us that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, even though we sin, even though we fall short, the Bible says Jesus never sinned one time. He never did the things wrong that we do, and he came and lived a perfect, sinless life because he was fully God, yet fully man. And then at the age of 33, he died a criminal's death on the cross because the Bible tells us that he took the sin of the world upon him, paid the punishment for our sins, and on the third day, he came back to life. And the Bible says that if we repent, if we turn from our ways and place our faith and trust in Jesus, we can be saved. And we can know this gift of God. And let me tell you, if you've ever experienced that, you are a testimony to how generous God is. Because none of us deserve anything except hell. And God gave us the total opposite because of what Jesus did for us. Let me tell you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, today is your day of salvation. Today is the day that you can come to know him. At the end of our time together, I want you to come forward maybe and come talk to me, or you can come talk to me after church or call me through the week. I'd love to talk to you more about it. But listen, you can be saved by repenting of your sins and trusting in Jesus. That's how you find out about God's generosity. But as when we, when we look at this story we can see even more how generous God is in some of these descriptors. Look at verse 9, how Jesus says that we can approach God. 
He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now, there are different ways to express kind of the same thing, ask, seek, and knock. But what he's doing here by this repetition is saying, don't be afraid to repeat your prayers to God. And in fact, if you go back to the parable, the audacity that the friend had to keep knocking at the door, even after refusal, he just kept knocking, kept asking, kept in some ways to that friend bothering. And maybe for you, again, you felt like you've been a bother to God and you feel like, hey, if I just ask him one time, that's all. No, Jesus says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And then he goes on to say this, verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. And then he uses this analogy about earthly fathers. He says, what father, talking about earthly fathers, among you if his son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead of a fish? In other words, what earthly father would there be whose son asks him for something that he needs or, or wants and then the father turns around and gives him something that is not good or harmful, if you will, uh, for him. So the idea of a snake. And then, same thing, different analogy. If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Then look at what he says in verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I want you to know today that God is generous. He's not going to give anything that isn't good for us. But I find it interesting here how Jesus mentions specifically the Holy Spirit. And it made me ask this week, why did he mention the Holy Spirit here? You know, of all the things that he could have said, why, why does Luke account that Jesus said, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want you to think about this for a second. When it comes to navigating life, when it comes to making decisions, knowing what to do, having God's power within us, what greater gift could there be than the gift of the Holy Spirit? What greater thing could God give us than his presence with us 24-7? And if God is willing to do that, you better believe that anything else pales in comparison to that. Because God loves us and he's willing to do even the, and give us even the biggest and greatest thing he could give us, and that is his spirit. Another thing uh, that I was thinking about with this is as we pray, and you all may know this from Scripture, it's so important that we have the Holy Spirit because we should pray in accordance with the Spirit. Because I want you to think about this. If you have the Holy Spirit, and understand the only way you can have the Holy Spirit is having a relationship with God, being in Christ, but if you have the Holy Spirit, and you're following the Holy Spirit, and you're keeping in step with the Spirit, the Bible tells us that if you do that, that you will have everything that you ask of God. Now let me say that again in case you didn't hear me. The Bible says that if you have the Holy Spirit 
And you are following the Holy Spirit as you should be, knowing and seeking the heart of the Holy Spirit that you will have everything that you ask God for. 1 John 3, 21 through 22 puts it this way. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. If you're following the Lord, following his spirit, he will answer your prayer. Psalm 37, 4 puts it this way. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desires. John 15, 7. If you remain in me, this is Jesus, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now again, this is in accordance with the Spirit of God. and We all know there are times that we ask for things that God does not want for us or uh, his will is not for that for our lives. But Jesus is teaching over and over that as we follow the Spirit, we know that we can ask of God in faith because of our relationship, his ability, and his generosity. So I want to ask you this morning, how is your prayer life? How's your prayer life? I know that life is busy, especially in the summer, right? I mean, there are times just... If I think about my personal relationships, there are times that days and weeks and months just fly by and I realize, oh, I haven't called so-and-so for weeks. And it's not that I meant to not call them. It's just time goes by and you get busy and you're, well, here we are. And I think sometimes busyness can catch up to us spiritually. Days, weeks, months go by and you realize, well, I haven't spent time with God like I should. I haven't been praying like I should. I haven't been praying in the way that I should. So this morning, I want you to ask, or I want you to ask yourself, how's your prayer life? Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Now, as I said, I know busyness catches up to us all. But you know, we're not busy right now. And I want you to think about that one thing that's on your heart today. Something maybe that you thought, you know, that's too big for God, or I don't need to bother him with that, or I've already asked about that. Maybe it's a friend that you've been thinking about, or a situation, someone who isn't saved. Maybe a a difficult experience that you're going through, or whatever it is. And this morning, as you think about that, I want you to ask God to do something in faith. Ask him knowing that he's able and willing. In your prayers, tell him that you'll trust him no matter what. And as you go to him, and I'm going to be quiet for just a second, but as you go to him, I want you to leave whatever's on your heart before him. Do that right now. Father, as heads are bowed this morning, I know there are many things on our hearts. 
Lord, there are many here who are bringing before you things today that are burdens and heartaches that maybe they've carried around for years. Lord, maybe somebody is laying something before you today that they feel like, man, I've, I've asked God a million times for this. And their faith is at the point that, that they're just having a difficult time. Lord, maybe there's someone here today who's praying who this is the first time they've ever prayed to you. Lord, wherever we are on our journeys, help us to remember and realize that we can come to you with whatever. And you're big enough, you're good enough, you love us enough that you listen and you care and you always do what's best for us. Lord, in this time of commitment, as we're thinking about the commitments that we've made, I pray that all of us would remember the importance of prayer and coming to you regularly. Lord, we know that many things throughout history did not happen if it were not for people praying. And we know that it's not the prayers that do it, but we know it's you answering prayers. So Lord, help us to be a praying people. Be with our time as we're thinking about moving forward from here, our time of commitment. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. And before we sing, I wanna encourage you and say to you, just like you did this morning, you can go to God and should go to God anytime and anywhere. And our challenge this week is to live out verse nine. And I wanna read this to you one more time as we go into our time of commitment. These are actually commands that Jesus gives. So I say to you, ask, ask is a command, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Jesus has told us to ask, seek, and knock. And I wanna encourage you to do that this week. Live in obedience to him as we live this life of prayer that we're called and are able to live. Hey, this morning, if you want to make a decision uh, during this time of commitment, I'll be standing down front. Maybe you wanna come down and talk more about knowing Christ, more about uh, baptism, more about serving in our church, whatever it may be, I'm down front. I can just pray with you over a situation. I uh, would love to do that. Or if you just want to come down in front uh, and pray on your own, that opportunity is here as well. Let's stand together as we sing.